So Money Episode 6, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone, weekend edition, where I respond to your questions submitted at somoneypodcast.com. This is our chance to connect. And before I get to all of your great questions, I want to take a moment right now and sincerely thank you all for subscribing to this podcast, for cheering me on, leaving such kind reviews on iTunes. You know, this is my inaugural week, and uh, I'll admit, you know, putting a podcast out into the world, like anything else that's creative and personal. It's just, you know, it can be kind of scary, to be honest. And I fortunately have felt so much support from all of you. You've been, uh, you know, unconditionally positive and helpful in getting me to feel like I'm onto something here. And uh, for that, I'm uh, just so grateful. This podcast is off to a wonderful start. And I really, truly look forward to bringing you premium content and exceptional financial strategies each and every day. All right, so this is Ask Farnoosh. Like I said, you know, every day on the podcast, I, I, I encourage you to head over to somoneypodcast.com to send me your questions about money, career, life, a previous guest, anything. Tell me what you like about the show. Tell me what you hate about the show because this is a show for you. And, um, you know, to make the half hour go by a little more quickly, a little bit more uh, energetically, I brought on a special guest to join me to steer the questions along. And he is the one and only Todd Tarabi, who is my younger brother. Welcome, Todd. Hey, Farnoosh. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Todd is uh, 23 years old. 24, almost, right? In a couple days. In a couple days, yeah. uh, Todd and I are uh, about a decade apart. And so uh, when he was born, um, I took on a very maternal kind of instinct with Todd. And our relationship since has turned into a really great friendship. And I'm, I'm honored to be your sister. And I'm actually even more excited to brag about you because for those of you who have visited somoneypodcast.com, Todd is the visual creative brains behind somoneypodcast.com. He designed my website. Um, you graduated from University of Arizona not too long ago. Go Wildcats. And now you're in Brooklyn, my neighbor, and working very hard, getting lots of opportunities as a designer and uh, user experience expert. So anyone out there looking for someone like Todd, give us a call. I'll negotiate your rate. <laughs> All right, Todd, we have a lot of questions to get through, and we only have about 20 or so minutes left to this podcast. And so whatever we don't finish today, I'll try to do tomorrow on Sunday. Um, But what's the first question? Who do we have? So our first question comes from Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Uh, She asks, if you're in a stable position in your late 20s, living in New York City, and only able to afford to put away a few hundred dollars a month, what's the smartest way to save or build a long-term financial stability? Is a savings account best, or is it dabbling in the stock market? Mm-hmm. Any other creative ideas, thinking long-term? Yeah. Well, so the key here, I think, she said, is long-term. So she's not asking me, you know, how do right. I save best for a rainy day in case, like, 
my plumbing explodes or, you know, I, um, I decide to transition careers and I have to take time off and I won't have income. She said long-term. So in my head, in my mind, the first thing when I think long-term is clearly retirement, right? So if you, Chelsea, if you don't have a 401k or some sort of retirement savings vehicle through work or maybe an individual retirement account, that's where I would start. And, and now being in your 20s is the perfect time to start with saving for retirement. A lot of people wait. A lot of people think, well, I can't save for retirement right now. I don't have the money. I'll wait till I'm 30, 40. I'll be making more money. I can put more away. But of course, it doesn't work that way, right? You got to be young to really t- take advantage of this little old thing called compound interest because compound interest plus time is money in the bank. And so when you're in your 20s and you're wondering where to put that extra three, $400 if you've got no debt and you're not worried about maybe the rainy day account, next you should be thinking about retirement. And best if you've got a plan from work that's perhaps matching what you're putting in to a certain extent, do take advantage of that. Uh, if not, or if you've maxed it out and you want to look for other opportunities to save for the long term, I would say an individual retirement account, either an individual retirement account or a Roth IRA should be also on your checklist. So Ty, let me ask you, do you have a retirement account? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, so I, I work full time and my company uh, offered a uh, 401k plan. Mm-hmm. So I've been using that. Um, as you know, I've been, I'm transitioning into a new full-time job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, unfortunately the startup that I'm moving to will not offer a 401k, but I do have a personal plan to, uh, contribute to my own. Right. Right. And I mean, it's hard You be honest. It's not easy to save in your twenties, but you just do have to do it. You just got to find a way. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're young, you're not making too much money and living in New York, the rent is high. So there's really not much expendable income you have left Mm -hmm. every month. But I think it's important to prioritize it, you know, before you spend money uh, going out or, you know, splurging it on a shopping spree. So I think it's, it's important to make sure that, you know, you save a little bit of money first before you spend it on things that you actually want. And then you have like... I don't know. For me, I feel like I what I first do is I just save in as many areas as I need to save, whether it's retirement, rainy day, pay my bills. And then whatever's left, it's like I can spend with such a sense of freedom now, you know, not worrying like, will there be enough left at the end of the month to pay the other things or to, to, to cushion my savings? Um, so in some ways, it can be very liberating to start with saving first and then go into, you know, spending and shopping and all the fun stuff we like to do with money. Okay, up next is Brendan. He asks, uh, I constantly get refinance offers in the mail to lower my veteran affairs home loan. Are these things legit or are they scams? It could be a scam, but I would say the best way to find out whether or not it's a scam is to go online and type in the name of the uh, company that sent you the letter and type in the word scam. Because chances are, if there is something sneaky or not legit about it, someone's written about it or the Better Business Bureau has caught wind of it, and there might be something that sends that red flag to you right then and there. I would also just call and don't provide any information. Like, you don't want to be giving these people your social or even, you know, your email address. Like, just ask basic questions like, you know, where are you located? 
Um, make sure the phone call, the phone number works. Make sure they know, they sound like they know what they're talking about. Do they actually know what your loan consists of? Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely removes a lot of guilt. Yeah, for sure. All right. What do we have next? So the next question is from John. He asks, uh, do we really need a financial planner in today's world? Wanted to know your thoughts about fee-only, percentage of portfolio, or do-it-yourself. Wow. So, you know, yeah, I think that there's so much advantage to working with a financial advisor. Some people think that they need millions of dollars in the bank. They need to have all these assets in order to be um, a desirable candidate to work with a financial advisor because, you know, financial advisors only want to work with rich people. And I would say certainly there are those types of advisors who want to work with wealthy individuals, but there are so many other certified financial planners that are dedicated to helping people in, from their beginning, you know, to help them grow their money, to help them build their wealth because they're thinking long term. They're thinking, I want to help you, you know, get to a point where, yeah, you're making good money and you've got assets and I want to, you know, walk you through that. So don't, don't be, you know, dissuaded by any of that. Um, and so when should you begin working with a financial advisor and what kind of the advisors are best? I'd say you want to start working with somebody when you are out of debt, uh, you have some expendable income that you want to allocate more uh, efficiently uh, towards you know, different investments for the long term. Perhaps you own your own business and you want to um, get someone to help you uh, through building your business and making sure you're spending efficiently and you're getting, you know, taking advantage of all the tax breaks. Uh, If you want to sometimes just get advice in a particular area of your financial life, maybe it's uh, estate planning, maybe it's tax planning, maybe it's planning for raising a a family. You know, there are all different types of advisors out there that work in different ways. So yes, there there are those who uh, charge you a commission. And uh, I'm not so sure about those kinds of advisors sometimes because, you know, think about it. If they're presenting you with different products and they're getting commission on these products, you have to wonder about objectivities. Then there are the fiduciary advisors who simply work on a fee basis uh, or a percentage of your assets under management. And, um, you know, you can certainly always shop around for a financial advisor by having initial meetings with them. The first meeting is always or should be free. They shouldn't charge you. And I always tell, tell people this, if they're not asking you questions about your goals and where you want to be in 10 years. And if they're not asking you personal questions, they're not probably the way to go. You know, you want to work with somebody who is really invested in your development and wants to help you grow your money in a way that makes sense for you. And they're not pushing their own agenda. I'll go to the next question if you're ready. Uh, Kelly Mm -hmm. asks, is there harm in having one spouse handle the finances? In this case, me, I enjoy it, but is there a downside? One spouse handling the finances. I think that, look, in every relationship, there's going to be one person who is more inclined to wanting to manage the money. They may enjoy doing it. They're better at it. They're more organized. And so, yeah, in every relationship, there's going to be this, like, default CFO of the relationship. And that's totally fine and normal. But I would just say that as the person who's not managing the money or watching the money day to day or week to week that you don't keep your head in the sand. You know, it's really easy to just entrust this other person, your partner, in in making all the choices and and watching the money uh, go from point A to point B. But you need to be aware of all the decisions. You want to continue 
to be involved. And I would suggest that every six months to flip roles so that as the person who's not maybe actively monitoring all the financial uh, decisions and, and where the money's going and you know who, where do we pay this bill and how's our portfolio doing, that you do get into that seat every six months and that your partner shows you everything and keeps things transparent. And there should be a running list that you both have access to of you know how you pay your bills, where bills get sent, important contact information. Because if that person who's managing the money primarily can't do it for some time for whatever reason, or worst case scenario, you split up or I don't know, something happens. You have to be the one to get into that seat that you can do it seamlessly. So that's my answer. And in, my, in our relationship, you know, we kind of split it 50-50. I handle a lot of the day-to-day bills and together we strategize long-term stuff. And with the help of our financial planner, she kind of brings us all together and uh, it works out nicely that way. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so following up to the next question, uh, Rosina asks, should married couples put all their money in one account and then one person pays all the bills, et cetera, or should each partner have their own account and pay towards the bill at hand? Yeah. So what do you think, Todd? I'm going to put you on the hot seat. <laughs> um. Well, I think it really depends on the dynamic of the relationship, but I think, you know, each partner having their own account and paying the bill uh, together would seems to be the optimal situation just because I think having personal responsibility for their expenses and and separating it might be, you know, a good idea in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm more interested to hear what you have to say (laughs) because I'm not the expert. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of answered the part of her question which was already which was, you know, how do we pay the bills? And you know, it's like, well, yeah, one person can be doing that. Um, but in terms of more importantly in this question, I think in terms of how do you divvy up your accounts, right? Like do you keep all your money in one joint account? Do you have separate accounts? Do you have what? So, in my more recent book, Shameless Plug, when she makes more, um and I think this applies to all couples. This is just where there's income disparity. I think this is good advice for all couples. You should have three accounts. My account, your account, our account. Now, some people disagree with me, and I respect people who disagree. This is just, you know, from what I know, what I experience, my years of coaching people, couples particularly in the areas of personal finance, I find that when couples fight, a lot of times it stems from one person feeling or both people feeling financially incapable to make their own money choices. They don't have financial freedom. They don't feel financially autonomous. There's all their money's in one bucket and they want to, you know, she wants to go get her hair done and he wants to buy some golf clubs and (laughs) inevitably they feel guilty about it or they hide the purchase or they lie about the purchase. Uh, And so, there to me it's like easy solution you should have your own bank account and maintain that joint account for the joint expenses that you want to both participate in you know if you both got a, you know you're both on the mortgage you're both paying childcare costs and that too i think can be determined it's different for every couple you know not every couple 
should necessarily pay for the same expenses. Um, that's something that I think you should decide on, especially if there's income disparity. One partner might not be able to provide and, and put money towards certain things. So you have to figure that out on your own. But generally speaking, I like the three, the three account, the three buckets rule, because it, it inherently gives each person in the relationship a sense of financial independence. I can go do what I want with this money and not feel like I have to answer to anybody. And that is, I think, one secret to a healthy financial relationship. Um, and so that's what I say. That's what I do. It's a lot of what my friends do. I know a lot of people also that have one account and they're perfectly happy with that. And so, you know, do that if that's really, really, really what you want to do and you believe in that. But just know that there potentially is this consequence of sometimes feeling financially trapped. Agreed. Definitely. So Jennifer asks, we were able to pay off our house in 2014. Good for you. So what is a good way to minimize our tax liability? We were thinking about adding on to the house. So would an LOC be a good way to get a tax break? So LOC, you're probably wondering what that is, right? Line of credit. Right. Like a HELOC okay. or a home equity line of credit, which not a lot of banks extend anymore. It's basically like the bank values um, the value of your home and then subtracts your mortgage and then whatever's left is the equity and then sometimes they'll extend you a loan against that equity, not 100%, but maybe up to 75 or 80%. And that used to be something really popular in like the 2000, early 2000s, mid 2000s. And then the housing crisis happened, everything crashed, banks got really tight with credit. So to answer your question about reducing your tax liability, yes, having a mortgage helps reduce your taxes. You get to re- deduct the interest expense. Uh, so if you don't have the mortgage, what do you do? Well, you know, I think that you could potentially, if this is, uh, if this makes sense, you could think about working from home or creating a space in your home that is specifically designated for work. It's in a home office. The IRS has actually made it a lot easier for people to deduct the home office expense. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be really complicated and like people usually wouldn't even deduct it because it was actually a red flag for, uh, for audits, you know, cause a lot of people exaggerate it. And so people just avoided it altogether, but it's a really good opportunity to lower your taxes. I mean, I'd say the thing is like, good news is you've paid off your mortgage. Congratulations. You know, you're not paying the potentially 1200, $2,000 a month. And so, yeah, you're not getting me with the tax benefit, but you're also, guess what? You now have all this money that you didn't have before because you're not paying off that mortgage. So don't really think of it like, don't overemphasize that aspect. I think, yeah, tax deductibility is an advantage to being a homeowner, but the other benefit to paying off the mortgage is that you don't have the mortgage. So, you know, enjoy that and take advantage of that. So the final question is Dexter. He asks, how do you invest when you are paying off school debt? Do you wait and invest later in life mm. or do you invest and pay the interest only on the loans and lean heavily towards the investing? So here's what I would say is I would say pay your monthly payments on that debt. And I would say if you've got an extra few hundred dollars, then yeah, put it towards an IRA or a Roth IRA or your company's 401k. But this is not the time to be throwing darts at the stock market. Like, what is it about people your age who are so tempted to be in the stock market? Is it just, is it mad money? Is it, is it uh, this idea of like getting rich quick? Is it looking at people like Mark Zuckerberg and being like, I want to, you know, right. be the next I think, billionaire? Um, I just think our generation has probably a 
larger risk appetite. I think it has a lot to do with the lack of patience, but it's also to do with uh, who we look up to. I mean, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs out there that are in their mid-20s, and uh, we see their success stories, and we feel like, why can't we do that? That's a good point. All right. I think that's all the time we have for this session of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks again for your questions. Keep them coming. Go to somoneypodcast.com. Submit your question about work, life, career, maybe a previous guest, and I will try my best to answer it on a weekend edition of So Money. Thank you to my moderator, Todd Tarabi. Thanks, Todd. Well, it was your first time at no this. No problem. Was it fun? Is it boring? It was fun. I had a, I had a good time. All right. And I learned a lot, too. Well, next so time I'm going to ask you for your biggest <laughs> financial question, and you're welcome. Okay, for sure. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Have a great Saturday. Hope your day is so money. 